Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. This is Abdul Nasser Jengda, and you're listening to the Qalam Podcast. The Qalam Podcast has become an important part of people's lives all around the world. There are millions of people benefiting from the podcast every single day. Thousands of hours of content, dozens of different series from all the different teachers and scholars here at Qalam. All of this is delivered to the community free of charge. We are excited and actively working to grow and increase our efforts to deliver more and more benefit to the community. We ask you to support our efforts and become part of the Qalam family. Please go to qalamfamily.com and sign up to contribute to this Sadaqa Jariyah on a monthly basis. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept from all of us Jazakumullahu khairan wassalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah wa kafa wa salamun ala ibadihi alladhi nastafa. Khususan ala sayyidi rusuli wa khatamil anbiya wa ala alihi al-askiya wa ashabihi al-atqiya. Amma ba'd. The great companion Khalifa Son-in-law of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, compiler of the Qur'an, one of the greatest martyrs in our history, Sayyidina Uthman ibn Affan radiyallahu ta'ala, who was known for his modesty, for his wealth, and also his generosity. Someone promised paradise while walking in the dunya on multiple occasions by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Someone who the Prophet of Allah would look at and would smile because he was someone that was beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. At one point, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is standing in front of Uthman radiallahu anh and he says to him, Jibreel conveys his salam to you. Uthman ibn Affan an was one of the first to accept Islam. And from the moment he accepted Islam, all of the goodness that existed in him prior to Islam was now channeled towards the obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He himself says that prior to Islam, I never committed zina. It was not something that he ever engaged in. And now that he accepts Islam and is a Muslim, his modesty only increases in the way he carries himself. He was modest in a manner that Rasulullah would deal with him differently from how he dealt with other companions. The famous narration once Rasulullah was sitting at home. Umm al Mu'minin Aisha radiallahu anha describes it. The Prophet of Allah was relaxing and his garment was a little loose. His lower garment was higher than it normally would be. Abu Bakr Siddiq knocked on the door, sought permission to enter. When he came inside the house, the Prophet of Allah was still just lying the way he was. And then Umar sought permission, he came in and the Prophet remained in his same posture. When Uthman sought permission, before he came in, the Prophet of Allah sat up and fixed his garment. A companion asked, O Messenger of Allah, Abu Bakr came, Umar came, you remained in your same position, but when Uthman came, you changed yourself? To that Rasulullah said, How can I not display modesty in front of the one who even the malaika are shameful? Uthman bin Affan says that from the day I gave bay'ah to the Prophet Imam Dhahabi rahimullah in his seer alam nubala narrates this riwayah. The day I gave bay'ah to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, I put my right hand in the hand of Rasulullah. After that day, I never used that hand to touch my private area ever again. Because that hand was in the hand of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam knew about Uthman that his modesty made him a gem, it made him special. So when the Prophet ﷺ was looking for someone suitable and appropriate for his daughter, Ruqayya radiallahu anha, Uthman radiallahu anha fit the bill perfectly. 
He was a respected person in the community, someone of good standing, a person that was capable of providing for his daughter. And above all, he was one who controlled himself and controlled his gaze. So Uthman married Ruqayya and during their marriage they were blessed with a child by the name of Abdullah, the grandson of Rasulullah Even though Uthman already had a child before and possessed a kunya, a kunya is the honorific name offered to someone while making attribution generally to their oldest male child. So he already had a kunya. But when he was blessed with Abdullah, the child from the daughter of Rasulullah wasallam, Uthman an changed his kunya. That I will be Abu Abdullah, the father of Abdullah. Abdullah unfortunately passed away at a young age. Uthman an took care of the daughter of Rasulullah and when the persecution in Makkah Mukarramah became very intense, and the Sahaba sought permission from the Prophet ﷺ to migrate to a safe haven, Habasha, Ruqayya made the migration alongside Uthman ibn Affan. And that time that he spent away from the Prophet ﷺ while in Habasha was very heavy on him because he missed the Prophet. ﷺ. He dearly loved the Prophet. ﷺ. When he reunites with the Prophet of Allah, and therefore they say regarding Uthman ibn Affan that he is one of the companions who performed two hijrahs of Islam. There was a hijrah, a migration to Abyssinia, and then there was a second hijrah and migration to Medina Munawwara. One hijrah, leaving and uprooting yourself and moving all together for the sake of your deen is a very big deal. People don't uproot their lives and just turn a new page and start all over again for the sake of their religion. It's not an easy thing to do. In today's community, we think 10 times before we move from one city to another city, even though we know most of our assets, if not all of them, are transferable. In that time, you were starting basically over again with whatever you can take and then whatever you had was gone. And Uthman عنه, along with a group of companions, not only took the sacrifice on once, but they took it on two times. Uthman an was one of the close consultants of Rasulullah When the Prophet of Allah sought advice from a group of people, he was always among them. When they arrived in Medina Munawwara, the Sahaba struggled with the water there. There was a particular well, the well of Ruma, which was suitable. The companions would drink from there and their health uh, wouldn't go bad. So the Prophet ﷺ went to the owner of Bir Ruma. He was an individual from Banu Ghifar. And he proposed to him that, why don't you sell this? Um, he said to him, why don't you give us this well of yours? And in return, Allah will promise you so-and-so in Jannah. He said, oh, Messenger of Allah, I'd love to give it to you. But the issue is that this is all the wealth I have. If I give this away, then I, how am I going to take care of my family? I charge people for drinking from here to provide and support my people. Rasulullah dismissed him. Uthman heard this. So he went to the Prophet of Allah and he said, O Messenger of Allah, let me figure this out. He then went to the owner of the well and he said to him, the Prophet of Allah wants this well for the Muslims. You and I, let's make a deal. And that man settled to sell that well for 35,000 dirhams. 35,000 dirhams. Uthman without thinking twice, he sealed the deal. He returned to the Prophet of Allah and said, O Messenger of Allah, you promised him a well in Jannah. Is that offer still available? And the Prophet said, what did you do? He said, O Messenger of Allah, the well that you desired is now yours and it belongs to the Muslims. Uthman when the Prophet needed land to build a masjid, they wanted to expand the masjid during the life of Rasulullah Uthman came forward and said, O Messenger of Allah, you need land for the masjid, I will purchase it from my very own wealth. 
once again bringing a smile to the face of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. When the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam was preparing the army to march against the Romans, Ghazwatul Usra, the Battle of Tabuk, Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam needed all hands on deck. You may recall in our previous class, I mentioned that. Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu an came with all of his wealth. Uthman radiallahu uh, Umar radiallahu an came with half of his wealth. The remainder of that story, after Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam gathered the wealth from the companions, they needed more. So he kept pushing people, give more, give more. And a point came where there was this stillness, this silence in the gathering and no one moved. But the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam realized that in order for this army to move from Medina Munawwara all the way to the frontier of the Roman Empire and to face them, they were ill-equipped and they needed more. So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam called for more and no one said anything. Uthman radiallahu an didn't like the sight that the Prophet of Allah is asking and people are not responding. So then he said, oh Messenger of Allah, I'm here. And he gave hundreds of camels full of goods not just camels, loaded with, with, with uh, provisions. And then Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam continued to ask, who else will give? Who else will give? Who else will give? And there's a silence. So Uthman radiallahu anh answers the Prophet of Allah a second time. 700 more camels, fully loaded. And then the Prophet of Allah said, who will contribute to this cause? And Uthman radiallahu anh gets up a third time, O Messenger of Allah, another 700, fully loaded. At this point, he is giving millions of dollars in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is happening live, and all the companions are seeing this. This is a public affair. And then he comes to the Prophet of Allah for the fourth time with a sack full of gold. He presents it in front of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam accepts the sadaqah with his very own hands and then says, after today, whatever Uthman does, your Jannah is guaranteed. Not only was he promised Jannah by Rasulullah when the Prophet of Allah listed the ten companions promised Jannah. Not only was Uthman promised Jannah when he purchased Bir Ruma for the sake of the Muslims. Not only was Uthman promised Jannah when he provided for the Prophet and the Sahaba as they prepared for Ghazwa Tabuk. But Rasulullah one day is walking and alongside, while they're strolling, with him is Abu Bakr, Omar, and Uthman They climb a mountain. In the riwayah of Uthman he says that we were on Hira. The scholars, they say, Hira was used to refer to any mountain, not just the mountain of Hira, the one in Mecca, because this incident actually occurred in Medina Munawwara. In another riwayah, we learned that at that moment, they were actually walking on the Mount of Uhud. And as they were walking, I don't blame the mountain of Uhud for shaking, when on your back are great people like the Prophet of Allah, Abu Bakr, Omar, and Uthman. We see even the Buraq started to jump when the Prophet of Allah mounted it. And Jibreel said to the Buraq, calm down upon you is the greatest of prophets. Some ulama, they described that moment of Jabal Uhud shaking while the four of them were on it. A, a, a moment of excitement for the mountain. So Rasulullah said, calm down Uhud, upon you is a prophet Upon you is a prophet, a Siddiq, referring to Sayyidina Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu an, and two martyrs. And Umar radiallahu an is later on martyred. And Uthman radiallahu an with his own ears is hearing the Prophet of Allah saying that his abode is Jannah. He is the son of Uthman. Uthman, sorry, he is the son of Affan. Uthman ibn Affan, the son of Abu al-As bin Umayyah bin Abd shams bin Abdi Manaf from the Umayyad tribe of the Arabs. From the Quraysh, he is from the Umayyad line. His mother's name is Arwa. 
Uthman accepted Islam in the early days, as I mentioned, to mark his place in history. The ulama, they say, Aslama Uthman Qadim and Qabla Dukhuli Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam dar al arqami. That before Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam began to gather with the companions in Dar al Arqam privately, secretly to learn and teach the deen. Uthman had already accepted Islam. As for his virtues, there is a narration that a person once came for Hajj. He was Egyptian. And one thing you'll learn later on, unfortunately, when it came to the martyrdom of Uthman, the fitna originated from Egypt. The people there became untrusting and they became very skeptical and it led to many problems that ultimately resulted in the martyrdom of Uthman ibn Affan. So one man from Egypt, he came, جَاءَ رَجِلٌ مِنْ أَهْلِ مِصْرِ حَجَّ الْبَيْتِ فَرَآ قَوْمًا جُلُوسًا فَقَالَ مَنْ هَؤُلَاءِ الْقَوْمِ قَالَ هَؤُلَاءِ قُرَيْشِ قَالَ فَمَنْ شَيْخْ فِيهِمْ قَالَ قَالُوا Abdullah ibn Umar, that this person came to perform Hajj. He saw a group of people sitting around. He asked, who are these people? They said, these are the Quraysh. He said, who is this senior man among them? And that person sitting there was Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Umar radiallahu So he said to Abdullah ibn Umar radiallahu قَالَ يَبْنَ عُمَرْ إِنِّي سَائِلُكَ عَنْ شَيْءٍ فَحَدِّثْنِي عَنْهُ I'm going to ask you some questions. Answer me. Tell me. Is it true that on the day of Uhud, while the Muslims were fighting, and there was confusion, and there were some companions that retreated, among the companions that retreated was Uthman ibn Affan radiallahu So ibn Umar radiallahu said, Naam. This is true. قَالَ هَلْ تَعْلَمُ أَنَّهُ تَغَيَّبَ عَنْ بَدْرٍ وَلَمْ يَشْهَدْ He then said, is it true that Uthman was not present in the battle of Badr? He was absent in that battle? قَالَ نَعْمْ Ibn Umar said, this is true. قَالَ هَلْ تَعْلَمُ أَنَّهُ تَغَيَّبَ عَنْ بَيْعَةِ الرِّضْوَانِ Is it true that when Rasulullah took allegiance from the companions, which is referred to in the Quran is referred to in the Quran and later on known as Bay'atul Ridwan. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala attested his pleasure for the people that participated in that particular allegiance. This happened during the uh, incident or during the Treaty of Hudaybiyah. Right before the Treaty of Hudaybiyah, this incident occurred. So is it true that Uthman was absent? He said, Yes, this is true. So this man then said, Allahu Akbar, almost in victory. Like, I knew it that Uthman was not a good person. These are historical facts that cannot be changed. And one of the tricks that you'll see, Ibn Umar didn't deal with him in a hostile fashion, which shows us Ibn Umar's wisdom. He could have been very aggressive with him because someone asking questions like this publicly about a senior companions trying to poke at his honor is a big problem. But Ibn Umar kept his composure, and the truth is, for that we see their wisdom and understand why they were the companions of Rasulullah Because he wanted it to be a teaching moment. And the, the point I was going to make a few, oh, just a moment ago, and one of the things that you'll see with people who, who spew deviance is they hold on to facts and remove them from their context. They hold on to pieces of information. That did this happen? Did that happen? Did this happen? I was once reading a book on Sirah. This particular book of Sirah focuses on Orientalist and non-Muslim accusations against the Prophet's biography. It's a fascinating book. And one thing you learn after reading a book like this, and you go through the accusations, false claims that these people make against Rasulullah is that their knowledge of Sirah is very limited. They're able to grasp onto solid, you know, individual reports. 
But as for the greater picture of what's happening, they are far from it. This comes through studying the seerah of Rasulullah not through 10-15 sources, but through reading it endlessly. And through not just reading it from primary sources, but also understanding it from the ulama who are masters of hadith and tafsir, because these people synthesize all this information to present the correct narrative. So one of the Orientalist, he poses a question. Is it true that prior to revelation, Muhammad وسلم, traveled to the Roman Empire? The answer is true. They say, then he said, is it true that your Muhammad وسلم, also sat with priests and rabbis? This is also true. We know how Rasulullah engaged with Bahira al-Rahib and Nustur al-Rahib. These are two different uh, Righteous, knowledgeable individuals. The Prophet ﷺ engaged with them. So then his conclusion is, he visited the Roman Empire, he sat with religious figures, therefore, he plagiarized from Christianity and Judaism. You know that meme where the guy's like walking and he jumps like five steps? The guy's walking and then he just jumps five steps and comes to a conclusion? What's going on here, buddy? How did you, come, how did you jump to this conclusion? And then they make up silly arguments that, oh, your prophet, astaghfirullah, astaghfirullah, he would go to these priests and rabbis and intoxicate them and steal from their scrolls. I've literally read this stuff. Completely baseless accusations. If you go on YouTube, you will see some of these people actually post this narrative and share it with their crowds. And I'm reading it and wondering that, wow, look how much fabrication there is here. But they... The uneducated reader or listener will have no idea until the people of Islam raise their voice and say, these are false claims. Anyway, this person makes these accusations against Uthman an. And the truth is to each one, Ibn Umar an said, yes, yes, yes. Then, as that man is getting ready to leave, قال Ibn Umar, تعال أبين لك. He said, come here, let me clear for you. Let me, let me, let me tell you actually what happened. That Uthman turning away with the companions in the battle of Uhud, in that moment of great confusion, then know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgave all of those companions. It was an unprecedented moment. It was very complicated. The companions feared Rasulullah had passed away. That's the news that had spread in the battlefield. So without their leader, was there even a battle to have? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgave them. So I testify on his behalf and for all the companions that were involved in that. It was out of them not knowing and they were promised by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala his pardon. He said the reason why Uthman radiallahu did not participate in the battle of Badr, your second point, is because at that moment he was married to the daughter of Rasulullah Sayyida Ruqayya anha. She was very ill. فَقَالَ لَهُ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ وَسَلَّمَ The Prophet said to Uthman, stay behind and take care of my daughter. Care for her. Provide for her. Be there by her side, and you will be given the same reward as the one that stood in the Battle of Badr. When Rasulullah returns from the Battle of Badr, Ruqayya had passed away. And the Prophet gave Uthman a portion from the spoils of war from the Battle of Badr. Was he physically there? No. Why not? Because the Prophet of Allah told him to stay behind. Yet he was treated as a companion that was in the battle. As for him not being present during that allegiance. If there was anyone, Had there been any person who was more honorable to the Prophet in that moment and more suitable in that moment to negotiate with the people of Mecca, he would have sent him but Uthman was the most honorable. And when the Muslims arrived in Hudaybiyah, they needed to send someone as an ambassador to negotiate with the Quraysh. So the Prophet of Allah selected him. 
Isn't that his virtue? And when Uthman was absent and did not return, and there was fear that an ambassador had been killed, at that point, Rasulullah took allegiance from the companions to fight till death, to seek revenge on behalf of who? Uthman So how are you logically expecting Uthman to be there? His virtue lies in the fact that he was the ambassador chosen by the Prophet of Allah. Number two, the Sahaba and the Prophet of Allah all took an allegiance to die to seek revenge on his behalf. Number three, when Rasulullah was taking bay'ah from the companions for Hudaybiyah, for Bay'atul Ridwan, at the end Rasulullah took his hand and said, and this is the hand of Uthman, and he shook it with his own. He represented Uthman of the Allah's hand by his own. And he said, and this is the hand of Uthman. And then he shook his own hand and said, Uthman, you are included in this bay'ah. Abu Sa'id al-Khudi radiyallahu an says that I saw the Prophet of Allah min awwal al-layli ila antala al-fajr the entire night rafi'an yadayhi yad'u li Uthman with his hands raised making dua for Uthman ibn Affan radiyallahu an Allahumma Uthman radiyatu anhu farda'an Oh Allah, I am pleased with Uthman so you be pleased with him too. Abu Musa radiallahu says that we were with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam in one of the gardens of Medina Munawwara. A person came seeking permission to sit with the Prophet of Allah. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said to the companion that grant him permission, iftahlahu wa bashirhu bil jannah. And also give this person glad tidings of paradise. Fafutihat fa'idha Abu Bakr, fafatahtu fa'idha Abu Bakr, fabashartuhu bil jannah. So he said, I opened the door. And Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anh entered. So I gave him glad tidings of paradise. Then another person sought permission to enter. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said the same thing. That I opened the door and I said to him that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa gives you glad tidings of paradise. And then a third person sought permission to come and sit with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa at this point, Rasulullah was leaning back, so he sat straight. And then the Prophet of Allah said, That open the door and grant him glad tidings of Jannah. And also tell him that his Jannah will be in response to his patience to a calamity that will come to him. So I open. The door and it was Uthman radiallahu anh. I told him what the Prophet said. So Uthman radiallahu's response was Allahul Musta'an that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take care of me. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is with me. When Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was expanding the masjid. And Uthman was contributing, I mentioned earlier, to the expansion of the masjid. At that point, Rasulullah said, Man bana masjidan lillah, banallahu lahu baytan fil jannah. This was a statement of Rasulullah that urged him and motivated him to donate in the cause of Allah. Whoever builds a house Whoever builds a masjid for the sake of Allah. And the, the scholars of hadith point out that the word masjid in the riwayah is nakira. It's not ma'rifah. It's not man bana al-masjid lillah. Rather, it's man bana masjidan lillah. Man bana masjidan lillah. Why that matters is that ma'rifah would make it a specific noun and masjidan nakira makes it a common noun. And in the Arabic language, when you use a common noun, that connotates even a portion of the noun. Ba'dul ism. Therefore, they deduce from here that the virtue of building the masjid is not in building the whole masjid, even if you contribute to a part of the masjid. Because in that moment, Uthman radiallahu purchased the land. In return, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is promising, Banallahu lahu baytan fil jannah, that Allah will give you a house in Jannah. Why this is important is because 
Every time you go to a masjid, you have an opportunity. Every time you enter into a masjid, you have an opportunity to earn your place in Jannah. Make this a habit, a personal practice. At least every week, regardless of which masjid you go to, drop 15, 20, 150, whatever money you have into the donation box. I have seen with my own eyes people on Fridays after Jum'ah Salah, I usually go and stand at the main entrance and greet people. Just the congregation as they're leaving Jum'ah Salah, say salam to them, ask them how they're doing. And I see with my own eyes every week, there are certain people I see every week, my eyes are on them. They literally empty their pocket and put it inside. They don't even count. Every week I see this person, not one person, multiple people, who just reach into their pocket and Allah knows if there are hundreds of dollars there, what money it is, I don't even think they count it. They just take their pocket and they empty it. Man bana masjidan lillah. Whoever builds a house for Allah, whoever builds a masjid for Allah, barallahu lahu baytan fil jannah. In return, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will build a home for him in jannah. Uthman radiallahu an was a sahabi who would stand during the night in worship and would fast every day. Kana Uthman yasumu al-dahr wa yaqumu al-layl. He would stand during the night in worship and would spend the day fasting. Uthman is known for his generosity. Uthman is known for his modesty and bashfulness. Uthman is known for his intelligence, his loyalty to Rasulullah In one narration, the Prophet of Allah said, a day will come where you will be asked to remove your garment, do not remove it. And this will pan out before he passes away in the great fitna that occurred towards the end of his life. When Rasulullah passed away, Uthman like the other companions, was in so much pain. One narration tells us that in that moment he fell unconscious. Because the Prophet had honored him. He had given him love. One of the titles of Uthman is Vinnurain, the possessor of two lights. The reason why he was given this title is because he married the daughter of Rasulullah, Sayyida Ruqayya. And after Ruqayya passed away, Nabi then had him marry his second daughter, Umm Kulthum. And he stands to be the only man in history to marry two daughters of a prophet, the possessor of the two lights. If there is any ambiguity in anyone's heart regarding the virtue, righteousness of this man, what his character was, how beautiful his generosity was in the eyes of the Prophet of Allah, how important his bashfulness was, how committed he was in the level of loyalty he had to the Prophet of Allah, then know and just look at how the Prophet of Allah entrusted him with his very own family. And the Prophet ﷺ said, if I had more daughters, when Umm Kulthum then passed away, he said, if I had more daughters, I would also give them to you. But at that point, Zainab was already married, the oldest daughter, and Fatima was also already married to Sayyidina Ali bin Abi Talib during the Khilafah of Umar an, Uthman an was one of the close advisors. When Umar an took advice on important matters with his senior companions, when it came to those crucial points on deciding which way a particular issue would go, in that immediate circle of people, Uthman bin Affan an had a secured seat. This gave confidence to Umar an, that a man that was beloved to the Prophet of Allah has spoken. So when these people agree on something, when these people that are beloved to the Prophet of Allah, who Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam did tarbiyah with his own hands, this tells me that there is khair in what will, be, what will come out of this decision of ours. When Umar radiallahu was martyred, unlike his predecessor, Abu Bakr al-Siddiq radiallahu who appointed Umar before he passed away, Umar radiallahu set a committee of six individuals and said to them, after I pass away, six of you can then choose and elect the next leader. 
And this is fascinating because he didn't leave the election process to every individual because the vote of every individual is not the same. There are people whose opinions matter. And then there are the rest of us whose opinions matter in other areas. What business do I have in choosing the Khalifa when I have nothing to do with the Khalifa? My task is to sell wheat and grain in the market. This is what I've done with my life. So Umar radiallahu an chose six people who had seniority during the life of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And, and this is fascinating because I know this is a tricky issue. It's a matter of democracy. And in the West, this is a tricky point. You say the wrong stuff and you easily get canceled. But Umar radiallahu an taught us the method of electing leaders. That you find the righteous people of the community, each of them being candidates for this position, each of them being sincere, knowledgeable, committed, righteous people, and tell them, you select the one that you fit suitable, that you think is suitable for the position. So these people will not be influenced by random propaganda. As for the masses, all you have to do is throw ad money onto them, make sure your marketing campaign is strong, and you can influence their opinion simply because they may or may not have full buy-in on the issues. And campaigning, unfortunately, is its own world of influence and how people are manipulated, unfortunately, 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 when it comes to electing democratic leaders. Umar one leaves behind a group and it says, you guys will select your leader. A majlis shura specific group of people. They elected Uthman ibn Affan radiallahu anhu. Among those people was Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu anhu, by the way. He was appointed as a leader not in spite of Ali radiallahu anhu. Ali radiallahu anhu was in that group of people. And collectively, he said, along with the other companions, that Uthman ibn Affan radiallahu anhu will be the Khalifa. Uthman ibn Affan radiallahu anhu takes the role of Khilafah and serves for 12 years. The first six years of his Khilafah, Alhamdulillah, things were quite stable. It was during the last six years that fitna began to cook and boil. But before we come to the issue during the last six years, during these first six years, Uthman an leads, like his predecessors, as a humble servant. That I saw Uthman as the Khalifa lying in the masjid with the sheet being used as a pillow. A person would come and sit next to Uthman and that person would leave. And then another person would come and sit next to Uthman. Uthman he was one of the people. It didn't matter who sat next to him, who came, who left. Uthman was very relaxed and chilled and approachable. Uthman did create some policies though. Among his policies, he set a battalion, a group of guards that would stand around the Imam from now on so no one would be assassinated in Salah again. Based off of what happened to Umar ibn Khattab to avoid that from happening, there were a group of guards that were Dedicated that as the Khalifa leads Salah, as the Amir leads the Salah, you will stand here and guard the Amir. And Alhamdulillah, after that, we don't see this again. And this is a practice that remains until today. During the Khilafah of Uthman, the Muslim Empire grew, specifically when it came to the naval department of the Muslim army. Muslims now boarded ships and they went far. There was great expansion. They say regarding Uthman ibn Affan radiallahu anh's uh, khilafah, Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anh starts the expansion, Umar radiallahu anh consolidates the expansion. So most of the expansion that happened during Umar radiallahu anh was actually what had started during the time of Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anh. Umar radiallahu anh consolidates. He systemizes things. He, makes, he ensures that names are properly documented, that there are formal government documents, that he's in contact with all of the governors and everyone that's in any governor position understands policy, that you cannot cheat people, you cannot lie. He took account of how much money they had the day they took office and then would check every year on how much money they had. 
in comparison to how much money they walked in with. And if anyone's numbers went too high, he either removed them from the position or took that money away from them, including Bilal radiallahu anh and other companions. It is said regarding Bilal radiallahu anh and some of the other companions, not just him, that Umar radiallahu anh, sorry, not Bilal radiallahu anh, Abu Huraira radiallahu anh. Regarding who? Sayyidina Abu Huraira radiallahu anh, that Umar radiallahu anh, he said to them that the extra wealth that you've accumulated while you were serving as governors under me will all need to come back. Small growth will allow. Exorbitant amounts, that's not going to fly. So he really, you know, consolidates things and systemizes things. Uthman radiallahu anh's khilafah marks the second wave of expansion. And the thing about expansion is that it's tricky. Umar radiallahu anh and Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anh's expansion window, if you actually look at it, was around six, seven years. Most of the major battles, they start during the time of Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anh. And within six, seven years, there is this burst of expansion. And then Umar radiallahu anh starts consolidating right away. And if the expansion isn't followed by a disciplined system to control the lands, revolts then begin to take birth. People now come into wealth. And as they have wealth and new positions and new seats, they begin to look for ways for their tribe, their clan, their people, for the individuals to profit from these systems. So you begin to poke holes into narratives that in reality are no holes and there actually are no problems there. The amazing thing about the Muslims, the Khulafa Rashidun specifically, is that they surrounded themselves by sincere people who had no fear at all when it came to speaking the truth. So if there was a need for criticism, they were the first people to stand there and say, this is wrong, this is right, this needs reconsideration. So as the expansion occurs during Uthman anh's time, the Muslims are fighting under the guidance of anh in Azerbaijan. And as they're there, Uthman noticed that anh noticed that the people, the soldiers there were fighting with one another. They were disagreeing with one another on the recitation of verses of the Quran. Because the Quran was revealed on seven different letters. He writes a letter to Rasulullah uh, to Uthman ibn Affan saying to him that with this ikhtilaf that I see and as the Muslim lands are now expanding and we're all the way up here now, we're so far away from Medina Munawwara, we need to reconsider the way the Qur'an will be recited and memorized by people, otherwise it would lead to conflict. Uthman ibn Affan gave this some thought and he realized that Hudayfa concern was a real one. So he sent a messenger to Hafsa radiallahu anha, the daughter of Umar radiallahu an, the wife of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And she possessed the Qur'an that was compiled by Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu an during his khilafah. After Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu an, it went to Umar radiallahu an. From Umar radiallahu an, he gave it to his daughter, Umm al-Mu'mineen Hafsa radiallahu anha. So he said to her, I need this copy. So it can be used as a reference point. He then called a group of companions and pointed on top of them Zayd bin Thabit radiallahu an. And he instructs Zayd bin Thabit radiallahu an, you will compile the Qur'an again, but this time ala lughati Quraysh, according to the letter, the reading, the, the language of the Quraysh. Because Islam is no longer in need to accommodate the local tribes of Arabia, now Islam has expanded. And it's time to unite people. In one narration, Sayyidina Ali radiallahu an later on said that had Uthman not done this, I would have done it next. Because this was a need of its time. So Uthman an is referred to now as that individual who compiles the Qur'an a second time. And this is a significant um, compilation. The Mus'haf that he compiled actually is housed today in Turkey, in the top Tapi Palace. For those of you who've had the opportunity of visiting there, you can actually see it. And images, it's a photocopy, of that Qur'an also exists in a museum in Medina Munawwara. So if you go to Medina Munawwara and you, either it's Mecca or Medina, maybe it's Mecca. If you go to Mecca Mukarramah in the museum there, the Mecca museum, you will find prints of the photocopies from the Mus'haf of um, Uthman bin Affan radiallahu anh. 
Now, unfortunately, things begin to take a turn. The big accusation against Uthman was that he was a nepotist. He appointed people from his clan, his tribe, the Umayyads, in, position of, in positions of leadership over others. He gave favoritism to his own people. Uthman did appoint many people from the Umayyad family in positions throughout the land, but not just exclusively them. This is not true. In some areas, this is true. In other areas, not true. Why is it that Uthman appointed people from his tribe in different areas? Well, the reason is because these people were either children of the companions or many of them were companions themselves. And Banu Umayyah from the Arabs, one thing that was known about them even prior to Islam is that these were business people. And because of that, they already had experience of traveling through the lands and had built important economical, political relationships with the people that resided in these lands. They were not new faces. So now when it comes to dealing with the people in Egypt, when it comes to dealing with anyone in the Roman Empire, Banu Umayyah are a recognized people. And they are people that have great training in siyasa and politics, management and affairs. So why is it that Uthman appointed these people? Uthman it is impossible that he offered favoritism to these people while ignoring others that were worthy of it, the reason why he appointed these people. And I say impossible because how can someone claim that about an individual that Rasulullah trusted and spoke positively of? How is that possible? It's غير معقول, it's impossible. Only a munafiq or kafir would say that. How could someone say something like this? When the Prophet of Allah trusted someone, Uthman appointed these people not due to nepotism, but rather it was because he viewed these people to be worthy of it. And he trusted them, so he put them in, that, in those positions. And bear in mind, he placed many Banu, غير Banu Umayyah, other than Banu Umayyah leaders, throughout the Muslim empire. We know in Iraq, he had Sa'ad bin Abi Waqas there. We know before Sa'ad bin Abi Waqas, it was someone else, and later on it was someone else. And Uthman went by virtue. Sa'ad bin Abi Waqas is a great companion, and he has Sa'ad removed from the position due to an unsettled matter between Sa'ad and Ibn Mas'ud, two great companions. They had an unsettled matter. Uthman said, you have to leave this position because your affair is now affect, affecting the greater community. Right? He was a just leader. Now, in Egypt, there was a group of people that started cooking this fitna that Uthman has appointed his people above us to control us so that we cannot live in our own freedoms. He is, you know, um, pulling the wealth from our lands to feed himself, like all sorts of nonsense accusations. So a group of them travel from Egypt to talk with Uthman Without going into too much detail, Uthman writes a letter for them. He tells one of his scribes, write a letter. And in the letter, he says that the current leader should be removed and so-and-so person should be placed instead as the leader. Now, where is this story lost? What, where does the change occur? Because there's a critical moment here. Something happens here. And many historians point the blame on the writer. That the scribe in that moment, and some point the accusation or the blame towards other individuals, that someone in that moment, as that letter was documented and handed off to this Egyptian group of young people who later on become the rebels that caused the assassination of Uthman, he swapped out the letters. And he gives them a letter and he says that as these young people return back to your city, execute all of them. They tried to have you removed. So these people take this letter and they begin to head back to Egypt. Someone catches up to them and says, you should really check that letter. They said, why? They said, open it. And they went inside and they opened it and they saw that their execution was mentioned in that letter. So these people marched back to Medina Munawwara and they showed Uthman and Uthman said, inna lillah wa inna raji'un. This is a lie. I did not write this. They said, we will not accept any apologies. 
you will need to leave the seat of Khilafah. You have to leave. You cannot be our Khalifa anymore. It's a complicated, very, very complicated issue. On one side, someone can say that the easy solution is kill these people. Because when Uthman an sought consultation from his advisors, including Ali radiallahu when he asked Ali radiallahu how do we handle the situation? At that time, the bulk of the Muslim army was not in Medina, they had gone up. I remember, remember I said the expansion period? So they, so they were spread thin. Uthman asks Ali, how do we handle this? Ali radiallahu anh says to him, the way we handle it is, we just kill all these guys. How dare they threaten the Khalifa like this? We have the soldiers here, we'll take care of them. Uthman radiallahu anh says no. Why does he say no? Because bear in mind, up until this point in history, there has never been a civil war. And he is terrified of being the first person to cause Muslims to kill other Muslims. It's not an option, I won't do it. The second option is then, give up the Khilafah seat. He said, I won't do that either, because if I do that, then any thug will come and bully the Khalifa after this. So I won't do that. So what's the option left? What, were, what are we going to do now? On one side, you're refusing to uh, fight against them. On the other side, you're refusing to uh, leave the Khilafah seat. Now, the third argument someone can present is that Uthman can kick them out of Medina. But if he uses a firm fist like this and does not engage with them delicately, then all these people, all the fitna that is created by these hypocrites throughout the Muslim land, Muslim and non-Muslim forces that have been trying to break up the Muslim empire, all these ants and these bedbugs and these cockroaches that are spread throughout the Muslim world, they'll all rise up together and then we'll have a very big problem. So Uthman says, let's wait and see where this goes. The truth is he already knew the answer. Because the Prophet ﷺ promised him Jannah and return of a calamity that he will have to be patient with. Because the Prophet ﷺ told him to not take that garment off. Because the Prophet ﷺ referred to him as a shaheed, he knew what the outcome would be, that he would be a shaheed. Fighting against him, he wouldn't allow it. Removing, the, removing himself from the Khilafah seat, that wouldn't be allowed either. Causing a full-blown rebellion by imprisoning all these people and, and now the whole of Egypt breaks away and turns against him, that also is not going to happen. There's one option left, and that is his life. So Uthman says to the companions, no one will fight. Everyone, just stay in your place. Calm down. Let's see where this goes. These rebels become very bold, and they say to Uthman, you are no longer allowed to come into the masjid. And they put their soldiers at the doors of the masjid. You may not pull your sword out against us. We won't hold back for one second. Uthman tells the Sahaba, everyone take it easy. Don't do anything. They said, you have to stay at home under house arrest. Uthman again says to the companions, everyone slow down. One wrong move here and there's going to be bloodshed in Medina Munawwara. Ali radiallahu an appoints his two sons, Hassan and Hussein radiallahu an. Abdullah bin Umar radiallahu an also arrives. Other young companions who have seniority and rank, they are appointed at the house of Uthman radiallahu an to make sure no rebel dares to step foot inside. So outside of the house of Uthman radiallahu an, standing there, Hussein radiallahu an, Hassan radiallahu an, Abdullah bin Umar radiallahu an, and other great companions. The narrations tell us that an extended period had passed by and Uthman was in his home. They wouldn't even allow him to leave the house and they would prevent food from being delivered to him. So to deal with these difficult times, Uthman would fast. And it was his habit to fast as it was. One day Uthman came to the balcony of his home and he said, you prevent me from the water of Medina. I remember that day that the Prophet of Allah said, who will purchase this well and earn their place in Jannah? I was the one that donated that well. You prevent me from praying in the masjid. 
I remember that day that Rasulullah asked who will build the masjid and have a house in Jannah in return. I was the one that built that masjid. And he continues on and on and on. But these people were very stubborn and had no intention of any sincerity bent on their rebellion. His wife Naila narrates the incident. She was there by his side. That Uthman was sleeping one day and he woke up. And he quickly performed his wudu and took his mushaf and started reading Quran. And she asked him what happened. He said, I saw a dream. I was with Rasulullah And the Messenger of Allah said, Uthman, we'll do iftar together today. So he said, I know that these are my final moments. It's going to end today. And he had embraced himself, prepared himself for this. Someone may say that, why didn't Uthman not fight back? His passive approach is irresponsible. It's not. Because Uthman knew the person that was following him in Khilafah was none other than Ali bin Abi Talib. It's not like the Ummah was going to fall into the hands of these rebels. He would deal with them. And Ali did deal with them. And he dealt with them in a very definitive manner. It took time. And Uthman understood dealing with this rebellion, dealing with this problem is not something you can swing one sword and it's solved. This is deep-rooted. These people have been cooking for some time. All this expansion, these guys have now fested into the lands. And there was a need for a strong hand to come in and slowly wrap, clean them all out. And Uthman was okay with his fate that if this meant his life would be gone, he had no problem with it. So he sat in his home, reading his Qur'an. The rebels realized that they couldn't attack Uthman from his home door, as there were Sahaba guarding. So they began to jump the houses that were connected to his home. And they jumped one wall at a time until finally they made it into Uthman's house. Uthman saw them. And he just continued reading. And as they moved towards him, one of them attacked him and severed his arm. He said, you just cut the arm that used to write wahi as it was revealed to the Prophet of Allah. And then another one of them thrusted his sword into Uthman of the Allah one, martyring him. His wife, Naila stepped into the streets of Medina Munawwara crying. And when the Sahaba found out, they bursted into rage. In one riwayah, Ali radiallahu became very upset with his two sons. That he went to them and said, how did this happen? You were standing here. They explained that they came from another direction. Uthman radiallahu was martyred. And he... served as a Khalifa for 12, 12 years, 12 days short of 12 complete years. What an honorable life by the side of Rasulullah and what an honorable death, shahada while reading the Quran in a state of fasting. The person who killed him was Al-As'ad Al-Tujibi min Ahli Misr. وَقِيلَ سُودَان مِنْ رُومَانَ الْمُرَادِ وَيُقَالُ ضَرَبَهُ التَّجِيبِ وَمُحَمَّدِ بْنَ أَبْنِ حُذَافَةِ وَهُوَ يَقْرَأُ الْمُصْحَفِ وَكَانَ صَائِمًا يَوْمَئِذٍ There's a difference of opinion among the scholars on who was the person that actually struck the last blow. He was buried during the night hours. They had to secretly bury him. The rebels had put a block on his burial. And when they buried him, they buried him in the far corner of Medina Munawwara, in Baqia, the graveyard. So for those of you who go to Medina Munawwara and you arrive at the graveyard of Baqia next to the masjid, in order to reach the grave of Uthman, one, you have to walk all the way down. Right in front, you have the senior companions and the family members of Rasulullah, and then you walk all the way down. 
and far out you find the grave of Sayyidina Uthman ibn Affan radiallahu ta'ala. Uthman radiallahu an's uh, death was a great calamity, his martyrdom. But he was one that was praised by the companions, by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And he fit the description of a true servant of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ibn Umar radiallahu an, when he recited the ayah of Surah Al-Zumr, أَمَّنْ هُوَ قَانِتٌ آنَاءَ اللَّيْلِ سَاجِدًا وَقَائِمًا يَحْذَرُ الْآخِرَةِ وَيَرْجُوا رَحْمَةَ رَبِّي As for the one that stands during the hours of the night in prostration and standing, fearing the day of judgment, and while being hopeful of the mercy of his Lord, Ibn Umar radiallahu an said, قَالَ هُوَ عُثْمَانُ ibn Affan. That this ayah is speaking of Sayyidina Uthman ibn Affan radiallahu ta'ala. When we look at his life and his legacy, what we see, is a person that was with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam from the beginning. A person that was there to support the needs of the Muslims at a grand scale. Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu is focused on the immediate needs of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Sayyidina Umar radiallahu is there to support Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam when it comes to judicial matters and ensuring a proper implementation of Islam occurs throughout. And then you have Uthman ibn Affan radiallahu anhu is there to support Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in building out the infrastructure. And at the end of it all, you have this beautiful gem, Sayyidina Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu anhu, who brings it all together with his wisdom, his courage, that family bond with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. People who live lives like this, supporting these causes and continuing the legacy of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, their martyrdom is a loss for humanity, but an honor for them. Today, when we look at Uthman anh's story, what do we see? We don't see someone who let the ummah bleed out for his personal gain. Today's ummah has a lot of those people. Today, we have a lot of those people alive who wouldn't bat a single eye, and they couldn't care about how many people die. They called them casualties of war. The blood of the innocent people, those young soldiers, the innocent mothers, the innocent kids, they call them casualties of war. But in the eyes of Uthman one, this could not happen. Medina Munawwara housed the righteous people. Women were there, children were there, Sahaba were there, their children were there. And had Uthman one, allowed that battle or that war to occur in Medina, and in a scenario that Medina Munawwara had been ransacked, Islamic history could have been wiped. So he puts his life on the line that take mine. And I have no doubt that the Sahaba will do good by the wasiyah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So when Ali radiallahu anh becomes Khalifa, to make it very clear that this will never happen again. And if you come to us for a fight, we will wash you out. One of his first acts, he moves Zarul Khilafah from Medina to Kufa. You want to ransack us? Come to Kufa. Come face us in Kufa. And we'll deal with you. Let Medina Munawwara be Medina Munawwara. Let the city of the Prophet of Allah be peaceful. Uthman anh's story ends with the ultimate act of generosity. He gave, gave, gave throughout his life. And when it came for him to leave the world, he gave his life as well. So, when he stands in front of the Prophet of Allah on the Day of Judgment. He must be the most generous man to live in this earth. And imagine the embracing of Rasulullah my dear friend, my companion, my son-in-law, my student, my successor, Uthman, you did great. Such people and their love cannot leave the hearts of people simply by a weak, basic attempt of tarnishing their legacy. Because these lies disappear and their, and their love continues to penetrate the hearts of people because their love is divinely inspired. All the people that tried to hurt Uthman, they've disappeared. We can barely find their names. We have to dig deep into history, historical records to find who are these people. 
And every day that someone curses Uthman an, mark my word, another thousand children are born across the world and their mamas hold them and say, this one's an Uthman. Everyone sitting here is related to an Uthman. Their love is divinely inspired. I close with a statement of Rasulullah where the Prophet of Allah said, Arhamu ummati bi ummati Abu Bakr wa ashadduhum fi amrillahi Umar wa asdaquhum hayaan Uthman wa qadahum ali. In this riwayah, Rasulullah praises all four of these beautiful gems of his. Arhamu ummati bi ummati Abu Bakr. When it comes to the matters of my ummah, the most compassionate is Abu Bakr. And when it comes to the execution of the command of Allah, no one will see anyone as firm as Umar. And the most truthful in modesty. His modesty is not fake. Some people, they fake modesty. No. And the man with wisdom and judgment and knowledge, where it all comes together, is Sayyidina Ali bin Abi Talib radiallahu anhu. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept from us and allow us to imitate their footsteps. Bless us with his modesty, his generosity. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us, his, grant us his forbearance and allow us to follow the footsteps of sacrifice and grant us patience in the most difficult moments of our life. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keep us with the companions and allow us to learn their lives. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to live our lives like the Sahaba did. Resurrect us with them on the day of judgment. Wassalamu ta'ala ala Sayyidina Muhammad. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Before we call the adhan and head to salah, um, just two quick announcements I wanted to make. So bear with me. Number one, one of our dear uh, beloved community members who you may or may not recognize, but was a regular and sitting in the back chairs. In Taraweeh time, his chair in the corner corner would be here. He would pray Taraweeh with us every single day. Each of you have seen him and met him, a righteous man of our community, Brother Muzaffar Qureshi. He passed away today. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant him maghfirah, elevate his maqam. His janazah salah is tomorrow after Dhuhr at the Richardson Masjid. For those of you who can make it, please do join us, inshallah. He was a righteous man who was a regular in our masjid. The janazah of such people is also Mubarak. And then after that, his um, burial will happen at the Restland Cemetery. Um, if you can participate in that, very much appreciated. And secondly, there's a brother who... MashaAllah is so helpful in accommodating, facilitating these majalis of ours. He helps with the Qalam podcast, putting them together and uploading them. If you've ever heard the Qalam podcast, it's due to the barakah of this young man who lives in England. For years, he basically, and I'm talking about almost how many years now? 10 years? He's just been uploading all these episodes, cutting them, labeling them, uploading them. You know, it's been a, he's been running this whole project for almost 10 years out of Leeds. So he sent me a request today saying that his young cousin, Uthman, passed away in a car accident at the age of 32. He had a three-month-old daughter, so he's requested dua for his cousin. So we'll make dua for him too. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant him maghfirah, his cousin, and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant the family members patience and take care of the affairs of this young three-month-old daughter. Wa sallallahu ta'ala ala Muhammad.